0: Welcome to the In Contention Podcast. I'm Joey Pascoe, joined, as always, by Matt Cranstuber. Evening. And Ruben Bressler. Hello, everyone. So, how's it going, guys?
1: Not bad. Um, I'm a little tired, because we're recording this at the crack of dawn.
2: I I think this uh, is the earliest episode of In Contention we've ever recorded.
1: Which is weird, because you just said good evening to everyone.
2: (laughs) Well, I guess I assume that people are listening to this at night from China. Oh,
0: <laughs> good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night wherever you are in the world. Yeah, Nicely nice. Done. All
2: right, that's the new intro. Classy. That was like the Truman Show.
0: It was. It was actually just Rich Hagon. Oh,
2: well, <laughs> oh, I didn't. I didn't do sure the, the
0: accent, but you know, I I stole the the words. So uh... It's fine. So yeah. So, uh, of course, In Contention is the official podcast of the StarCityGames.com Open Series. And this weekend, the Open Series rolls into Washington, D.C., with $10,000 prize pools in both the Standard and Legacy Opens. If you can't be there, be sure to tune into SCGLive.com and catch Michael J. Flores and me bringing you guys all the action. Yeah, Joey Pascoe. Ooh. I'm excited. You'll be there
1: too, right, Ruben? I will be the coverage coordinator for Washington, D.C., so yes, you will see me on the sideboard.
0: Awesome. So uh, the Twitter hashtag for this weekend is SCGDC, so you can use that to join in the discussion. And uh, if you can't make it out, be sure to check out an invitational qualifier tournament near you. You can go to the StarCityGames.com Open Series page for a complete listing, and that's StarCityGames.com slash Open Series. So, uh yep and we're getting close we're
1: getting close
0: to the classics. We have three classics that lead
1: in to Atlanta in the three weekends before Atlanta. There will be classics in
0: Richmond Knoxville, and Birmingham, so be sure to check that out as well. awesome so uh so cranny, you want to run down the uh the old hashtags
2: yeah so i uh I've been on vacation and um i'm I'm by the beach i'm actually I can look out the window I'm between uh the sound and the beach. On one end of the island, there's about a mile in between. So, you know, if I go to one side of the house, I can see one or the other. So, I, I'm, I'm a little slow, so you have to bear with me. But uh, we got some good topics to discuss today. We got Star City Buffalo or NY that happened this past weekend. Yep. We're going to talk about the recent inductees into the Magic Hall of Fame. And then we have Battle of, Battle of Wits Challenge. Sub hashtag never bet against a Sicilian when death is on the line. <laughs> then we're going to talk a little bit about the Magic Online Community Cup hashtag MTGOCC uh, if you're on Twitter, and then we have root 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 for the defenses, mm. which is uh. Wonder whoa. what that could be about. Hmm. 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 You'll so, have
1: to tune to find out.
2: <laughs> can we play the Batman like like you know? <laughs> we'll just we'll just
0: have that, well, just,
2: that- the Hall of Justice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I guess uh, we may as well dig in and talk about Star City, NY. Ruby, you were you were there all weekend. So, I was, what running was the out. land? How was it?
1: Well, I first of all, this apparently was the biggest Magic tournament in Buffalo history. They had never had a Grand Prix. They never had really a PTQ because, from what I understand, there's a big store in. Uh, um, uh, Rochester, that's like an hour away. Mm-hmm. So those are always the PTQs that are in northern New York. But this is like basically the biggest thing to happen to Magic in Buffalo. There were 400-some uh, in the standard and a much larger showing for Legacy than they were expecting. For some How reason. many were in
2: the Legacy portion?
1: 215. They were expecting like 170 or something like that. Um, so they were pleasantly surprised with that. And not only <clears throat> were there more people there for the legacy, um, there were there was such a high density of uh, name players. So every op- every open we do quick questions, right? You're supposed to find like six or seven of the biggest name players in the room and ask them a couple questions. Well, there were like 15 players there that were well known players. Like I did, I interviewed Brad and Jerry as well as Josh and uh, Josh Cho, who ended up winning the legacy tournament, which we'll get to. Um I also interviewed Gerard Fabiano, Reed Duke, Ely Cassis, uh and I didn't even get to Matt Costa who was in the room, Dave Shields, Carl Dillahay, who won the standard portion. These are all like well well known players. And so uh and uh Dan Jordan was also there. So there were some really good players in the room. The, the density of good players made it uh, very easy for me to pick feature matches, for example. Um, and uh, the, the quality of players in the room was, was was high all day. So I was very happy about that. But the, uh, the big news out of the standard tournament, at least, was the finalist, uh, the finals appearance by Columbus native Kurt Crane... With green, white, elf ball. What'd you guys think of that deck?
0: That was it. Was awesome. I was so excited to see uh, to see that deck. I know um, Jesse Smith has been uh, had, had been working on some sort of elf ball deck, and I think uh, he he wasn't using white in his. And this this is right. way more of a red for fervor to be able to check yeah.
1: the fervor, um, which is he... this this one's way more consistent. Gets you way more things into play.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: What, well, need talk- a win. Genesis waving three times and putting a Crater Hoof into place. You
2: know. So let's talk a little bit about what this deck does. Um, when you when you first see him resolve like a, a Land or for a Bird of Paradise um, sitting across the table from me, you probably put him on Niapod and so you kind of start to play that game. I, I played against him at FNM a few weeks ago when I was playing my Battle Wits deck and um, and he was kind of fine-tuning this deck and ended up having about 50 elves on the board on turn 4 both games or all three games um that we ended up playing and uh so so the main deck has just a, a ton of mana guys and and then elvish archdruid as the main sources of uh mana generation and then it just seeks to get those guys in play and then use village bell ringers to um, untap everything and then play a giant of Behemoth or a huge Genesis Wave to just flip your deck over. And then you can either say, go ahead and, and go, and if you don't have a Wrath, I'll kill you. Um, and even
1: if you do have a Wrath, oftentimes you can just search up the Azuri and regenerate all your elves.
0: Yeah. Right. There's like one, and Soul one Harvester. Uh, Soul yeah, of the Harvest. Soul
1: of the Harvest is ridiculous. Yeah. I, yeah. That card is the, well, basically, that card's the card in the deck that isn't the most um, played mm-hmm. card. Like people have seen Elvish Archdruid before, people have seen Genesis Wave before in Standard. Soul to Harvest, the thing, is the thing in the deck that makes the deck tick, and uh, I fully expect that card to rise in value. And I, I, I definitely expect to see this deck in DC. It's already started popping up on Moto. So much so that uh, I saw a picture of a mirror match in which both players had about 90 creatures in play. And people are starting to play more copies of Safe Passage in their sideboard because of Hmm. the popularity of this deck. People had already started playing some because of uh, Bonfire of the Damned. But certainly because of this deck, people are playing more Safe Passage. It's definitely gaining popularity. Uh, I anticipate... anticipate Excuse me. I anticipate... Yeah, that's an English word. Uh, <laughs> this deck, definitely seeing lots of play in Washington, D.C. If people can find Village Bellringers
0: and Souls of the Harvest and the other weird right. parts of the deck. Well, Village Bellringers are common, so I think they'll be okay with that Right, <laughs> but
1: they've probably been
0: proxied on and thrown
1: away and things like that. Good point. They, yeah. they might I have like the sideboard
2: this deck. I, I think that it's really, really strong. Um, being able to sideboard in... Four Thalia and Tusk as a means to sort of, you know, instead of being this cute, quirky combo deck, you board in, you know, four four humongously great anti-control measure cards, and then Thragtusk, which is you know everybody's favorite green card. Yeah, um, I
1: I was talking with Kurt and uh, Eric Wagstaff, who also was playing the deck, and basically they, they were like that they basically said the toss comes in in like almost every match because they some they most of the time become a green based control deck which is really funny yeah uh, the, the 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 aggro decks in the format or not even the aggro decks even the mid-range decks in the format um don't have a better long game than this elf deck. Even Solar Flare doesn't have a, lo- a better long game than this deck. All you do is just play out guys, play out guys, play out guys until you can Genesis Wave for eight, and then kill your opponent. It's just a combo deck against most of these uh, most of the decks, unless you are facing down a flipped Delver, um, you can take over the the control role. Yeah, it's, so, it's
0: awesome. Like you can. Okay, right, so you've got Izuri, who is a tutorable overrun. You've yeah. got Craterhoof Behemoth, who is a tutorable overrun. You know, like, you've got two guys in the deck that you can just tutor for. Soul of the Harvest, which can put you in a situation where you just draw your deck. Um, I, it's just such an amazing kind of... It looks like so much fun. And who would have thought that that green would uh, would have the, the color, you know, in Legacy and now in Standard and, of course, in Extended a few years ago, which led to the Legacy deck. The, that would be the color that can draw, like, your entire deck... Off of a bunch of creatures. That's kind of funny. And Soul of the Harvest is Glimpse of Nature. So it's
1: not too surprising once you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: Packed with Restoration Angel as well. Like, yeah. I feel like this deck almost doesn't need the Genesis Wave. Like,
1: well, yeah. The Genesis Wave, though, uh, makes it a combo deck.
2: Yeah. You know, it's, it's, you know, with only eight, um, Main deck, you know, non creature permanence or non non permanent permanence. Um, it, it almost feels like Primal Surge could be in here instead of those and then just play more guys. Um, you know, and that, that there there have been decks, there's the a mono green deck that was, you know, the, that was its whole plan A. But I guess Green Sensing is probably the best card in this deck. Yeah. Um, you know, the early version of this deck, I believe, he ended up playing. He had more Village bell ringers. It was like more built to to power out huge Genesis waves. And I don't believe he had Restoration Angel. And uh, I think Angel is right, a really good inno- innovation so there. Good.
1: I mean, obviously, Restoration Angel is just the best card in Standard. <clears throat>
2: yeah, like it's, not, it's not, close not. to being
1: the best card in Modern. Like, it's just way, it's flash, it's flying, it's got four toughness, it blinks, it Julianne fries, it does everything you want. (laughs) Like, that card is just so good. Like, if, if you have four toughness and you have flash, you're probably good enough in standard. Plume Veil. Yeah. And if you have four Toughness, Flash, and Flying, you're definitely good enough in Standard. It's Plume Veil, Restoration Angel, Mist and Mistbind Mist Click. Is yeah. I think that's it, maybe. Well, there we have a deck.
0: I think we just... <laughs> We're just Flash, Flying, four, four Toughness butts. <laughs> yeah. <Exactly. laughs> so I don't I don't know if this is a good thing or or really sad that this an exciting deck like this is going to rotate in the fall. Because I don't know if I could handle it. You know sticking around, but it does certainly right now seem really exciting because it 's going to lose wave it 's going to lose zenith it 's going to yeah. lose azuri it 's just losing too way too much I would think to uh
2: yeah else oh oh yeah 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 i don 't think this deck and theoretically part of paradise, although
1: I doubt that yeah I mean, considering I've, the last ravnica.
2: Yeah, I I don't think we'll see bird. I think we may see another uh, bird variant instead because I think that that's exciting and people like opening up packs to see those kinds of cards. Uh, And it also aligns with what they've been doing with base sets where every few years each base set – or I shouldn't say base set. Each block um, big set gets its own bird variant. So Utopia uh, Utopia Tree and Noble Hierarch – and, and I think that it makes sense that Ravnica would maybe get its own flavor, its own type, maybe a keyworded ability guy. Um, but, uh, just a, a quick comment on, on this deck. Uh, a lot of articles that have come out in the last couple weeks, have talked about the power of restoration angel and green and really green is getting a lot of play, um, right now. And, uh, it's it's kind of funny to me to see a card like Thrag Tusk in the sideboard when it's such a good um when it's such a good card even as a one of in this deck to tutor up with green sun zenith it almost feels like um, any deck running zenith would be remiss if it didn't run a copy of Thrag Tusk in the main deck because i am just i'm on i'm on that that plan 100% to uh, to be playing thrag tusk right now
1: yeah, I think that the thing, though, is that game one, a lot of decks are built to be able to handle, like, be able to have a game against Delver. And uh, those decks that are built to be able to handle Delver are a lot less able to handle the straight-up combo variant. And then after board, you can sort of switch into the more control role. So that, that's my opinion on why mm-hmm. it's not running a main deck, Thrag Tusk.
2: I think this deck probably has a good matchup against anything not running Bonfire the Damn. Yes. I mean, I even think, like uh, Raph is probably even just
1: day of too judgment. Close. I, I saw in the last round, Kurt Crane mulliganed to four on the draw, got Terminist, Miracle Terminist on turn three, got Terminist on turn six or seven, Day of Judgment a, turn la- a couple turns later, and still won that game.
2: Wow. So. Yeah, shout out to Kurt because, uh, you know, he's, he's like an up-and-coming guy. He's been grinding a lot. Um, he yeah, plays our, a lot in town. Our Crane denial on Twitter our denial. Yeah, he's he's a good dude and uh, congrats to him. So what what else we got going in this in this top 8? Any any notable decks that uh, well, are worth talking what about I here?
1: Was surprising to me was the absence of zombies. Yeah. There were no zombies. And you know, it to me the there was a there's a rock paper scissors meta game like a week ago and it was just perfect. It was there were bonfire decks. There were um uh, snapcaster decks, and and there's very little. There's a little crossover between these three, but there's bonfire decks, there's snapcaster decks, and there's blood artist decks. And there was like almost thirty, thirty, thirty percent, with a smattering of ten percent, which is just where you want a Magic metagame to be. But in Buffalo, for some reason, there just weren't any zombie decks. Mm-hmm. Like there was, there were a couple I saw. Uh, I think one finished in the top 16, maybe? Nope. Um, no? Well, it was <laughs> no. playing top 16 in the last round. Okay. But there, was just no, there were just no grave crawlers
0: anywhere. And it was just surprising. I don't know what happened. It's weird, too. It's like Buffalo didn't get the memo that Delver wasn't as good either. I mean, not that it's not as good, but it's... <laughs> there's six copies of Delver in the top 16. Seven, if you count Esper Midrange, which is Delverless Delver. You know, it's. Uh, I guess it's technically a different deck, but it. Often looks very similar until yeah, sure. until you the get same, to like some
2: the same time. bones. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, uh, so I expect that deck to make a, a, a reappearance. I expect zombies to rise from the grave in uh, Washington D.C. So
2: it would be um, zombies
0: versus elves. Yeah. Somebody needs to make standard goblins.
2: You know. I well, that, I've seen no, standard that, goblins. That deck is uh, I, very popular with, like, on Moto yeah, right with, now. With Franco
0: and Goblin uh, yeah. Chieftain, that's a that's a really good combination. Sorry, but uh, I, somebody needs to make top eight with standard goblins. That's what I meant to say. Oh, I see. <laughs> At an SCG Open.
2: Yeah. So yes. i want to talk about the deck uh, that Gerard played. That uh, I'm actually glad that they put it um, in the in the deck coverage here. He did not top 32. He, he got 40th place. But this deck is, um, I've been been playing a lot on Moto lately, and uh, it is really scary to play against this deck. Which is basically a Rug um, Primeval Titan deck that has three copies of Bonfire and four copies of Temporal Mastery. And that's all you have to know. This deck just, the the whole point of this deck is get a Primeval Titan in play, cast a Temporal Mastery, and then kill your opponent. And it is very, very scary to play against. Um if if you've been playing online and you have to play against this deck. Uh the the, the only thing that's maybe making this not um as popular is that bonfires are very expensive. They're between uh thirty and thirty-five ticks. Karn liberated are expensive, the Garouk Relentless, Primetimes, Fintas. I mean it's all these big cards, not to mention that it also runs um the uh Cavern of Souls and Huntmaster of the Fells and the Cyborg. So it's, it's a very, very expensive deck to build. But, oh, man, this, this deck is super cool. I mean, it's, it's also the only deck that I've seen in Standard so far that plays Temporal Mastery the way a Time Walk should be played, which is right. uh, you know a way to take advantage of a huge boost in tempo or card advantage.
0: Kind, kind of right. like a Relentless Assault. Right, like you get to attack, then attack. Well, sometimes it's Relentless Assault, and then sometimes it can randomly just be Explore,
1: which is real nice. Um, Because that deck can really use an Explore, because Uh if you play an extra land, then you're, you know, turn four in your opponent with a Primeval Titan, and that's the whole point. Right. So, it's also good because that's a deck that can... It can Miracle Bonfire or Terminus, but it can also hardcast them because it has the prime time. So I was very impressed by that deck. Both Gerard and Reed were playing that deck. Um, and it, it's, it adds something new to the metagame. And by new, I mean something from like 10 months ago, which is Prime Titan. But it adds blue. So Wolf Run Blue was what we were calling it. And it's, it's very, uh, I'm very happy with it. I mean, you can, you can Phantasmal Image your own Prime Titan. You don't have to do it to your opponents anymore.
2: Yeah, this deck, uh, much like the Elf deck, is all but dead after the rotation. We may see a deck uh, emerge from the Flames and Ravnica that will be able to, you know, cast seven mana Time Walks. Um, But uh, it's really really hard to say if there's going to be a replacement card, or even a card that will help these Ramp decks that will replace the Simulacrums and the Titans. Because I... I just don't think, I don't think like even printing like Cultivate or anything like that will help it out. I think you really need something that affects the board in a more meaningful way than just a rampant growth. Otherwise, again, your time walks and your bonfires don't do anything if you're not backing it up with, you know, cards that actually win you the game.
1: Well, as you know, there is a 6-6 trampler for 4-colorless green-green that we've already talked about. So... If there's going to be a, a ramp deck that's ramping up to anything, it's going to put Soul of the Harvest
2: into play. Yeah, maybe that guy. Maybe that guy just gets better. Maybe he's maybe he's a good. Uh, maybe he's very well positioned for the new standard. Uh, I'm I'm not sure. I, I I think a six six for six trample is below the curve by standard uh, power level. You know, from my perspective, just because. Again, and it doesn't. Yeah, but it, it has really a glimpse of nature anything. stapled to it. <laughs> yeah. It does. It does, but it doesn't, it doesn't do anything. And in, uh, in in like, like this deck, for instance, only has 14 creatures. Right. And most of the creatures cost 4 to 6 mana.
1: Right. And uh, it's not going to go into a Wolf Run style deck. We're also losing Ink Moth Nexus. You know what I mean? So it's not like there's any part of Wolf Run that's going. Traditional Wolf Run that's going to be sticking around.
2: I wouldn't say we're losing Ink Moth Nexus. Uh, I would say uh what do you how do you say this? Get out of my format. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think um the, the uh, again, I guess I'll just say I've I've been playing that um that red, white, blue um deck that won a few weeks ago. Yep. That, that was at um Love Las Vegas. Vegas. And uh, basically, what, what made me want to build that deck is, is once Battle of Wits became legal, and we'll talk more about Battle of Wits in a moment. Um, I ended up building my Battle of Wits deck that I talked about on the podcast a few weeks ago. And um, it's funny, before M- M13 went legal, I won more matches with it than after it became legal. Huh.
0: So you mean with, without the Battle of, I, of Wits? Without Battle of Wits.
2: I won more matches without Battle bullets. So Why do you people, think that is? Because I, did, I have no idea. Obviously, because people should be building plus 200 card decks in standard. Yeah. Yes, I mean, exactly. And, and, you know, and that's not to say that I was like... I mean, I, I think on the whole, in the two-mans, I probably broke even with it, but it just felt, like, really slow. At least my build, I think, was just not right. There's there's some really cool builds, which we'll talk about in a little bit, um, of the deck. But anyway, I, I, I played, like, Four or five matches in a row, and I just I I couldn't. I was just one turn one turn short of being able to play the Battle of Wits, or I was just you know uh, just just not doing the best. And I'm like, you know what, I'm just gonna play a real deck. I'm tired of burning tickets, so I I went, and it did kind of pain me to have to buy the cards for that deck because it has four or three Hellkite, three Bonfire, and and Restoration Angels and stuff that I that I was just trying to stay away from. But uh, I'm like, you know what, forget it, I'll buy it. So I bought the whole deck, and I no joke won eleven two-man cues in a row before I lost my first one, and it felt very good to be playing a real deck. That deck is very, very good, um, and it does not lose a lot after the rotation. So a lot of those cards will translate very well over to uh, to Ravnica Standard, just because it's such a it's such a generic deck. Like it, it does things very simply. I mean, it loses Blade Splicer and Phantasmal Image. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, you're really a restoration angel deck that also plays bonfire and thunder. Okay. So, I mean, pretty sure you can fill the blanks in, um, losing ponder also is a huge, huge loss to so many decks um, that rely on the ponder to, you know, to sort of be, to be a consistent deck, you know, and without that, you know, they're either having to run instead of, Oh, I'm sorry. You don't get to run 17 land. You have to be like, you know, you have to run twenty-five land, like like a normal deck does, um, and I think that's really, really going to sh- change the shape of standard when we see Jitaxian Probe and Ponder rotate out of this format.
0: Yeah, and we want that, though. You know, we, it's going to be exciting. Like, we have not only are we losing all these cards, but we're going to be gaining a whole, a whole new block. And um, I think that's what makes standard exciting. Is I, I, I love the fall just because of rotation. I think it just makes things really interesting. Um, so. Even though we 're losing cards like Ponder and Kataxi and probe you, you never know what's coming to not necessarily replace them but maybe fill a similar role so mm-hmm. we get to see that um, do uh so we we see, obviously, the return of, of Delver in this particular top 16. Um, yep. But uh,
1: let, let's Carl, Carl Dillahay, who yeah. is a, a Nationals top 8 competitor who grinded his way into Nationals top 8 um, when Michael Jacob won that year, uh, was able to win with quote-unquote mono-blue Delver or Prozac Delver or Tallrand Delver, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Forex Mana Delver.
0: Uh-huh. Augur, uh-huh. yeah, Augur loss I mean, also in there. I'm uh, I'm excited about that card. I, so
1: yeah, that's a very good deck. Um, the The adoption of Talrand over uh, other four drops like Restoration Angel is interesting, um, and I'm not sure it's correct because of how good Restoration Angel is. But clearly, it can just make an army against all these creature
0: decks. Well, it, it's funny that aren't using th- Bonfire. It's funny. I think it was. Uh... I'm pretty sure, it, yeah, yeah, it is. I'm pretty sure it was Carl that uh, that was referring to the deck as five color Delver too. Yes, because it's got literally every color. It's you know, got every it's got color. Remember, yep. Mutagenic Growth, Gut Shot, and then and the white for Moreland. Yeah. yeah, so it's uh, and Restoration Angel in the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's kind of funny. Uh, so it's, it's it can be either mono blue Delver or five color Delver, but it's the same same deck. I like yeah. it. Um, so before we move on to uh, talking about Legacy. In Buffalo, do you guys want to uh, want to talk about standard coming up this weekend? I know you you were just talking about Battle of Wits.
1: Well, there is the uh, I expect several people to be playing Battle of Wits this weekend. Uh, Kenny Mayer and Ken Adams are both going to be in attendance, and uh, they've convinced several other people to uh, take part in a, a, a Battle of Wits weekend. Um, so, if you want to learn more about that, you can ta- contact them. Um, and also, Jesse Smith just wrote an article about blue black zombies, as he is wont to do, uh, kamikaze, as he calls it, because of the addition of two cards from M13. Disciple of Bolas is his favorite new addition as a four drop, being able to probably gain three life and draw three cards off of a uh, Soul Cage Fiend or Dural's Messenger. Uh, or two life and two cards off of a grave crawler isn't bad in and of itself. And more importantly, another two-drop in Bloodthrone Vampire, which I think is much more important to the deck. It, uh, it definitely has uh, feelings of carry and feeder from Legacy, from Sam Black's Walking Dead deck. Um, and so with another two-drop that is able to apply tons of pressure, I think that, uh, that Zombies will definitely be a player this weekend.
2: And not just that, um, you know, Michael Jacob had been running Dross Harvester in his Zombies deck forever just to be able to birthing pod your Gravecrawler away while you have Blood Artists on the table Mm. and then machine gun your opponent to death. Um, Like, if you have two Blood Artists and a Gravecrawler and you pod your Gravecrawler away, um, for every black mana that you spend, you can deal or you can drain life your opponent for two. That's nice. And it's actually really, really good with a Bloodthrown Vampire because you actually get to give your Bloodthrown Vampire, you know, a power boost. So Interesting. Yeah. I like very, that. Very cool. Um, so the, the Battle of Wits challenge is, is very interesting. There's been a lot of cool decks that have come up because of it. Um, we've seen uh, Air-, Air Klug built a rug version that had, like, you know, all different... Rug cards that you could possibly imagine. Uh, basically, you know, Primeval Titans and Time Walks and Bonfires and those sorts of things. Um, we've seen uh, bug pods. So, like, birthing pod-based battle wit stacks, which is actually a pretty pretty neat innovation. Um, and, uh, and then we've seen Esper and Blue Black and, and just all these different builds. And um, you know, it, it'll be very interesting to see. I think we I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw at least a dozen Battle Wits decks this coming weekend. Wow. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so we've this isn't the first time I've heard uh I've heard rumblings of this kind of thing. Uh obviously previously it was uh it was a legacy <clears throat> legacy battle of wits challenge and then you know, people all talk about it ahead of time and then no one shows up with it or like two people, usually uh-huh. the the Kenny's. Uh, show up with it, so uh, right or the the Kens, I guess. Uh, so yeah, it, it's kind of f- interesting. I, I hope that that these people actually all show up with Battle of Wits decks, like they're saying. So uh, that'll, that'll that'd be, be great. Interesting. Yeah, it'd be fun for me to give a deck tech to a Battle of Wits.
2: Yeah, you'll need like two. Oh games. my gosh! Yeah, it'd be so yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. So uh, why don't we transition? Oh man, I didn't get to do my sweet sub hashtag. Uh, well, go ahead. Never Joe. bet against a Sicilian when death is on the line. When Vissi, or, or I did not even remember. Yeah, I think that's. See, the
1: there are two rules. Never get into a land war in Asia.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: Almost as important is never bet against a Sicilian when death is on the line. <laughs> <laughs> And then he dies. That's <laughs> hey, from, spoiler uh, alert, man. That's, sorry. It, look, I think that the <laughs> limit on spoilers is like three months.
2: Yeah, yeah. If you <laughs> haven't seen Princess, Princess Brine, <clears throat> Joey Pascoe, Yeah. then I highly suggest you uh, you watch that scene. It's one of my favorite scenes in, in cinema. And, of course, um, if I was playing Battle of What's this weekend, I would have a picture of me on my shirt just so I could represent that, you know. Every time I, I sit I've, across from an opponent,
0: I've I'll, seen. I'll, I'll,
2: sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just say I was just gonna put two cups, two cups out there. Yeah, say you know I put I King in One. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I've seen the Princess Bride. It's just been like over twenty years, I think. Yeah, so. yeah. So, you know, uh, I I remember that scene. I don't re- didn't remember that particular line, so. Uh, Fair yeah, that, enough. that movie that movie is awesome. I have to see that again. Is that on Netflix? I have to check.
2: It probably is. Probably I is. So, so uh, what's our what's our next topic? Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame. Have yeah,
1: let's talk know. about Move on to the Hall of Fame. Okay. Um, the Hall of Fame voting came down. And speaking of Star City Games New York in Buffalo, um, one of the people that made it in was Mr. Patrick Chapin writer for this very website, and also commentator that weekend, uh, in addition to the three supposed locks of the weekend, which were Paulo Vitor Damo de Rosa, Masashi Oiso, and Kenji Tsumura. Those four players made he, making it into the Hall of Fame. Um, so four players making it in, which hadn't happened for a little while. Um, last year we got three, I believe. Uh, yeah. And it
0: was it was almost five. Uh, Huey was one vote away. Yeah, William Jensen. Uh, he he missed last year by uh, by quite a few votes, I think. But he still was, I think, the the fifth one on the uh, you know in line. Uh, he had the fifth most most votes, but but didn't make mm-hmm. it. Patrick missed by like four votes last year. So I was really excited to see that he got in this year. I think he really deserves it. Uh, you yeah. know, he's obviously a hugely uh, positive uh force for this game i think like he loves the game he you know he plays at a high level he writes at an extremely high level he you know he he creates new decks he you know he's just uh i he's i think the perfect kind of candidate for the hall of fame i don't think it's all about it's not just about play skill and i think patrick uh is is awesome uh i think he I'm really happy for him. Uh, and then Huey uh, William Jensen missed by one vote this
2: year. And, Ugh, uh, that's awful.
1: That, that stinks. But you know, th- that almost—I hate to say it this way—but doesn't that mean he gets in next year?
0: That's what you know. The the theory is, or at least that's the that's what that the, it's his, it's his turn. Yeah, but it all depends because the thing is you know it's not like next year it's the same people on the ballot there's an influx of a bunch of new uh new players on the ballot next year that that's people, true people start putting over top you know obviously like Paulo Kenji and uh Masashi Oiso, all, neither of or none of those guys were on the ballot last year so they obviously jump ahead of Patrick and uh and Huey so um I think just the fact that Magic has a Hall of Fame is kind of amazing and I think it's really exciting every summer when we get to see uh we get to see who gets in and I think it's it's great for the game there's a number of players that I think uh really could could be in there but uh it's usually usually ends up being about 3 uh I think average so this year we actually did get an extra so that's good uh, and and I'm I'm hoping next year that Huey gets in he, he's been on my ballot the last two years when i've had a vote so nice nice um
2: yeah congrats to all those guys for sure i'm i'm actually most excited to see um pet patrick chapin on there for the same reasons that you said joey just having somebody who has done so much um and not necessarily you know doesn't have like you know eight pro tour wins or anything like that um it's very it's very cool to see that and, and also uh that it's also reflected in his peers you know that that not not just uh a reflection of like the kind of person he is but that but that he sort of instills that on on the people around him too so that's that's pretty cool and and obviously you know if you look at the stats for p v it's just like no nobody nobody thought that he wasn't making it in this year i mean he, he his his stats are astounding um and actually there's a if if we can dig it up I'll try to put it in the show notes it basically shows um all of the eligible people for the hall of fame and and how many pro tour wins pro tour top 8s um and and you know pro tour appearances those kinds of things uh and it's very very interesting to grind through the stats and look at who's got what cuz it's 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 pretty cool um it's it's not necessarily you know obviously shouldn't um comprise your your entire uh, opinion on whether people should get in the hall of fame but it's a pretty good litmus test to, to see if they're <laughs> if they've got the guts to do it so right um i don't know if you guys can help me track that down here yeah i but, was looking uh, for
0: it myself but uh couldn't couldn't quite get to it quick enough I'm still, uh, <laughs> still
2: trying to find it so i figure we would transition um to a similar uh sort of thing which is something that just people being nominated in the community for something great um maybe on a much well definitely on a much smaller level. The MTGO Community Cup is coming back around here shortly, and nominations are open to nominate your favorite uh, MTGO personality, your your favorite grinder or somebody who um, has made a positive influence in the community. And um, we thought it would be kind of fun to talk about the people that we want to nominate to go to the, the uh, Community Cup and why. So... Um, does anybody? Uh, does anybody want to start? Have an opinion on that?
0: Yeah, sure. Ruben, do you? Uh, did you want to start? or do you want me to jump in? Uh, you. You can go ahead. Okay. So uh, I've I've already nominated two people who I think uh, deserve it, and I think there's a number of people that you could nominate. And uh, it's I, I, as far as I understand it, this is just nominations. We're not actually voting, but I'm sure multiple nominations uh, couldn't hurt. Sure. Sure. S- so uh, Jesse Smith, Smitty. Uh, mm-hmm. Or S M I seven seven Y on Twitter, and I believe also that's his, that's his uh, Magic Online name. Uh, Jesse Smith writes for Star City. He is constantly grinding on, on Moto with new decks, new brews, and things. So I think uh, you know he writes for 60cards.com, his You know his site as well. He's uh, I, I think he's a great, great choice for the Community Cup, and uh, and also Taya Steele. Uh, she uh, is mm-hmm. W Map. Wmap on Twitter, but on uh, Magic Online, she's Mazikeen. That's M A Z I K E E N. Uh, she was uh, kind of the uh, the spearhead of the cube movement on Moto before the actual cube was was released. So mm-hmm. a lot of people mm. got in on that, and I think that you know her organizing that and setting that up was just uh, I think that was that was fantastic, and she she really deserves to uh, to be. Recognized for that? Most
2: definitely. Good choices. Hmm.
1: Um, I'm not big in the Magic Online community. I recently signed up for my own account, actually. Or, actually, I take that back. I had an account. Hadn't used it for about four years and then played one cube draft online. Um, so I have an account, but I'm I'm not very... Uh, in touch with the Magic Online community. But there are a couple people who I think are very, uh, important to the online community for, for the, uh, things that they, that they do. Mostly, I pay attention to people who stream and write articles and, uh, and create and innovate and are also very interesting. And so, one that I would like to nominate, or the, I, I would likely nominate is, um, WatchWolf92. Jonathan Sukenik yeah who writes articles and str- has a hilarious stream and uh is always willing to test things out on Magic Online um, and another one is Todd Anderson uh Todd has been writing articles for Star City Games for a long time um he's I think he's got some of the best uh content on the free side of the website consistently uh and he's he's uh Always testing Magic online, and uh, I think that uh, he would be a great representative for the community.
2: Nice, nice. Um, my uh, my picks are uh, one guy who's been basically crushing like PTQs and uh, been doing well online. Who writes for Gathering Magic is Jarvis U, and he's no Jarvis Yu. And, um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, same way as Gigi on Moto. Um, he, he just, he, he shows up all over the place. Um, I'll either see him in a queue or see him do, do well in an event. And uh, I think he I think he's a, he's a good guy to nominate. But um, somebody who I think maybe is pro- probably more appropriate for um, for what the tournament, or I'm sorry, for what the event uh, uh, stands for, it would be Seti P, uh, Cedric Phillips. Um, right. He is somebody who does a lot of uh, grinding on Moto, plays PTQs, daily events, um, drafts, and whatnot. And he he is a very uh, big uh, streamer and and has a has a big following there and super entertaining to watch. Gets very excited, gets very into um, the game when he plays it, and uh, he's he's a totally. Perfect fit for this for this tournament, and uh, I think uh, he he would do well to to go to this. So that's my pick.
0: Yeah, and big congratulations to to Cedric for uh, for winning the PTQ. That's right. Yeah. He uh, oh,
2: yeah, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, actually, I know Cranny, you uh, you hadn't been as much on Twitter as much this weekend, but yeah, he uh, he played
2: I think Bant Pod in a PTQ and won. Actually, funny enough, I think Jarvis also qualified this past weekend. Sweet. So both of my picks go on the pro tour. There you go, Pro Tour Seattle. There uh I think it's right around the corner. It's like right I think
0: Cedric can just, you know, look out the window and be like, "Oh yeah, there's the there's where." Yeah, it's right, across, right. Across the street. So uh yeah, very very cool. And um I guess we'll link the info in the show notes about how to how you guys can go ahead and nominate anybody who you think deserves it and uh I, th- I think that's a pretty excellent thing to to do to reward people for uh for doing cool things in the on Moto, you know, in the MTGO community. So, yeah. Um, moving on, we uh, we have a little bit of just just a little bit of return to Ravnica news slash rumors. Right. Um, we do know the name of the buy a box promo. We don't know what it does. Uh, the buy a box promo is apparently called Supreme Verdict. Or uh, supreme verdict, or, or supreme verde, or uh, however you want to <laughs> verde supreme. Verde supreme. At the Taco it does Bell.
2: sound an awful lot like a menu item at Taco Bell.
0: <laughs> I'd like to to get a couple of supreme verdes, and uh, yeah. So supreme verdict. Not sure what it does. Sounds sounds very uh, very justice related. So I'm thinking it's you know Azorius or um, right. Or you know something something along those lines seems seems like it could be a white card, um, but you know that's that's just speculation. Um, another kind of uh, bit of information popped up yesterday, and this is completely unconfirmed. And there's a uh, kind of a lot of controversy over whether or not it's real. Um, MTG Salvation thread is closed and reopened and closed again. So there's there's some. Uh, I guess some controversy there, but we have a card that was supposedly it came out of a, um, some sort of M13 box. Like it was uh, accidentally included there. At least that's the cover story because someone could very well have just gotten this through dishonest means and then just made up a fake story about how they got it in an M13 box, but, uh, a card called Rootbound defenses. So, uh, any, any of you guys have that right in front of you? I've
2: yeah, lost yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very, very odd, oddly worded. So, uh the the uh it's a white card it costs two and white and it's an instant and the text is populate period creatures you control are indestructible this turn and then the subtext or the rules text to populate put a token onto the battlefield that's a copy of a creature token you control damage and effects that say destroy, don't destroy. So then it gets the indestructible reminder text. So it basically copies a any token that you have. So if it's a sapling token, soldier token, whatever. Um, otherwise, it does not do anything. I mean, the, the spell, it will still make your creatures indestructible, but it will not put a token on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. So kind of an interesting mechanic. Um, I imagine that this probably... Is uh, I mean, if let's let's pretend for a minute that this is real, like I'm not gonna we could debate all day whether or not this is real by trying to break apart any of the elements of this card, it looks real enough. Um, this is basically an instant speed give your stuff indestructibility with a bonus of, of putting a, an extra token in the battlefield. Obviously, it's it is a Selesnia card, we know that Selesnia puts tokens into play. It actually is a pretty neat ability. It does make sense, um, you know. Before we had Convoke as a means to sort of power in more Sapperlings um, and guys, uh, uh, sort of use those guys to fuel um, a bigger army. And I think that this is this is the same kind of idea that this uh, this card sort of has a secondary ability, but it it makes your army bigger. It populates. I I, I think that this is a really cool keyword and if this is a fake it's a really this, good fake it's a really good <laughs> fake but i i think this is completely believable i mean imagine if uh okay so as an example um there's the uh selesnian creatures uh that all put tokens into play the one that comes to my head is uh was it Slesnia, not Guildmage, but um it's the tapper that taps a guy um that, uh, you know, in, it, it, if you gave a creature the ability to tap Populate, I think that would be pretty reasonable. It doesn't do anything on a blank board, but if you have a couple tokens in, in play, um, it seems all right. And especially if, if we're starting to see, instead of just, you know, 1-1 one, one sapperlings, maybe we see, you know, 3-3 three, three Funguses or something, or Fungi, um, Populate right. could be a really powerful ability.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, looking at this and trying to find a reason for it to be fake, like the the only thing, or the you know, the thing that people keep harping on is the uh, you know the copyright line, which apparently is slightly different than what we're used to seeing. So, uh, but but you know, who knows? Wizards could just have changed that. It used to say, I think nineteen ninety three to twenty twelve. Uh huh. Um, but this just you know, looking at this. The artwork is definitely Mark Zugg. Um, I'm a big Mark Zug fan, and I'm, that is his style. Uh, so, I, I, And I could not find that artwork anywhere. So I don't know if someone... I guess it's, there's a the possibility that it's someone that just has a style very similar to Mark Zug and they found, you know, this person decided I'm going to make a fake card and use this and say it's Mark Zug and wh- whatever. But it's just... Uh, it's a very good fake. I don't, we don't need to, I guess, get into it too much, but uh, if it's fake... I I think it's real. Yeah, and uh, you know the images we sure. have of it. We've got several images of of the card, um, front and back. You know, like someone holding it against a mirror so you can see like the front and the back of the card. It's not just like someone faked it uh, by creating a front or something. But I guess we we won't know for for a little bit longer. But I, I think it's real.
2: So th- thoughts on like populate as a keyworded mechanic. Is is that too linear? I mean, are, can we do enough with this uh let's obviously we have no context. We have no idea what the set looks like, but this card does literal nothing in the context of today's standard.
1: Yeah. Um yeah.
2: I mean if if you had a wolf token in play, i suppose you could make a wolf token but
0: Nice, uh, another angel token when your uh, Geist of Saint Traft attacks, your guy is not... unblockable, I mean, is uh, indestructible, and and it gives
2: uh... your guy, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah so okay, that's, that's not too bad. That's not that's not the
2: worst. Uh, three mana's uh, may, may as well be ten mana, but um, that's not bad, yeah, that's I mean, a, yeah, that's...
0: you you paid three to play the Geist, the next turn, you have an indestructible Geist, so no matter what they've got you know, to block your Geist is likely going to live unless it's got, unless whatever it is has, infe- uh, yeah, in fact, <laughs> um, or wither or something, uh, depending on what format you're playing. Um, but yeah, so, so Geist attacked and you get a four, four angel that sticks around. Right? So,
2: yeah. So, so could they like this, probably isn't unreasonable as a, as a Selesnya, uh, mechanic, um, so does this mean that we're going to see a lot of the same, you know, Slesnian and cards that we saw the first time around? You know, obviously, Mark Rosetta said none of the keywords are coming back, so we're not going to see Convoke. Um, but that doesn't mean that we're not going to see a strong presence for tokens and pumping. And, you know, right. this, this sort of embodies both of those, uh, not really pumping, but protecting the team. and And, and I mean, this is this is Selesnya guild mage in instant form basically it's it's uh so is that is that a good indicator for us to assume that that maybe some of the other guilds are sort of gonna have throwbacks to those keyworded mechanics um, no, I or, would or those so. strategies? I
1: would imagine, I would imagine that all of the the keywords in this set will uh, be able to work well with the keywords from the last block. I would imagine that they would do that. And so this is not completely added, because because um uh convoke was the Selesnia keyword in the last the last Ravnica and this works fairly well with convoke. It doesn't work directly with it, but it works okay. Uh so I I would imagine that they would all work.
2: So Given that, that, that that's a possibility, um, there is... Uh, Adam Staborski bought uh, packs of Ravnica, Gilpack, and Ascension, and we drafted them at GP Columbus. We actually didn't get to talk about them last week, but we we, uh, we ended up doing firing off an 8-man, and it was awesome. And I don't remember who made this suggestion to him, but they said, go ahead and hold your packs. Let's not draft them. And then what they were going to do is do a giant Ravnica sealed and they're going to open up yeah. the current Ravnica block and the previous Ravnica block and then build sealed decks out of both of them. And that would actually be That's pretty interesting. amazing if, if these sort of, if the mechanics played well with each other, then like it might actually be a really interesting format. I mean, it's not, it's definitely not like as bad as wacky pack drafting but, I mean, I've done drafts where we mixed multicolor blocks before. Where, you know, we, we did Invasion and, you know, Shards and, and, um, and Ravnica and mixed those packs together. And it wasn't the worst. Well, obviously, you know, some of the mechanics don't play well. But, uh, man, that would be really cool if, um, if, it was, if, if that would work out. I mean, just this is someone who's, like, a big fan of, of wild draft formats, um, you know, being a huge fan of Cube. I feel like Ravnica's Ravnica embodies everything that you want uh, for fixing in Cube, like Signets and Bounce Lands and, and that kind of thing. And I think that that's really what sparked my interest in Cube is Ravnica drafting. I mean, I think, I've, I, think I drafted Ravnica probably more than I've drafted Cube. Um, I really drafted that set a lot, a lot, a lot. So I, I just hope it's even a quarter as good as um, the original set was to draft.
0: Yeah, it's here's I mean, kind of kind of unrelated, maybe more along the speculative side. But I'm looking at the if this card is real, I'm looking at the uh, the collector numbers. Nineteen out of two seventy four. So, you know, this is this begins with R. So, can we assume that there's like you know, roughly t- somewhere between twenty and twenty five mono-colored cards for each mm-hmm. color? So we've got say we have like one hundred and twenty five cards that are mono-colored, and then. You have another 150, roughly, cards that are either multicolor artifact or land. So, I, just just something interesting that I was hmm. thinking about here.
2: I, I guess wow. about half
0: the set is going to be multicolor. Nice. So,
2: I, I guess maybe if there's a possibility that there's like 10 cards that have the word Selesnia to start off, though. So that's a good point. Yeah, it could. Be um, but no, you're you're definitely right, because that that is far enough along that, um, you know, we have, say, have the basic land, which is 25 uh, slots toward the end. Right. Tw- I think, isn't it four per? Oh, land? yeah.
0: Four, four. Yeah. So it's 20 slots. So that's that leaves 254 cards. Um, yeah. That are non basic lands.
2: Not yeah. Non-basic. I mean, we know it's we know that it's going to be a gold. We're going to we're going to see multi multicolor Um, but the real question is, are we going to see hybrid?
0: Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm.
2: Ravnica was the first time that that was introduced. Uh, it's a, it is a much beloved, um, you know, people, people love playing their hybrid cards. Maybe not the Shadowmore hybrid cards, but, uh, you know, the guild majors are still very popular. Um, I, I would love to see a couple hybrid cards.
0: Did you guys happen to see Aaron Forsythe did that talk on the magic cruise, um, just just this past uh, past year, a few months ago, really, and he was talking yeah. about he went through like all the the sets between the Ravnica's. I think was the the theme of the talk, but I think think that's where he mentioned and uh, about you know everybody loved hybrid mana in Ravnica block, but m- maybe just because something's awesome, you know, doesn't mean you, there should be so much of it, which is what they ended up doing for Shadowmoor. Yep. Uh, yep. So I, I think that that means they learned something from from that particular experiment and uh I, I would expect us to see some hybrid in this set but nowhere near as much hopefully mm-hmm. uh, as we saw in Shadowmoor maybe just along the lines of what they did for the original Ravnica block so
2: right right
0: so, yeah so um I don't know uh, we we don't have any really any more information about Ravnica uh, right it's pretty early at this point we uh
2: a couple months away. Tomorrow's October. Uh, or not October. <laughs> August. Oh my gosh. help me, please. August I wish 1st. Tomorrow was October 1st.
0: Because uh, I would love to have Ravnica available. Like, I know. I just jump yeah. forward. Uh, but we've got an exciting green summer to play out. Uh, the, the rest of green summer here, I guess. is uh-
2: And maybe it doesn't matter to, to you guys because you're not going, but. We are just a couple weekends away from Gen Con, and I I probably won't be shutting up about it starting next week because it's, I think, two weekends from now. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, uh, like I said, at GP Columbus. GP Columbus was the best fun I've had at Magic since Gen Con, and I hope to see Gen Con trump GP Columbus. I think everybody and their mother and not Ruben, and Sam and Joey be right there.
1: That is correct. I will not be there. <laughs> what, what was that? I was
2: laughing. I think it was close to the mic there, but uh, yeah, that that's going to be insane. Uh I, obviously um if you if you listen to the show and you're going to be up there and you like cubing and you just or you just want to chat um, you know, make sure you you come up and and catch us at at these events and stuff cuz I uh, I always love a opportunity to talk to uh to people who listen to the show and people that like cube and stuff so that would be super cool. But um yeah,
0: absolutely. I I love meeting people and talking to people about, you know, the podcast and whatever. So uh no, I'll be there this weekend at, uh, I won't be at Gen Con, as you mentioned, but I'll be at the, uh, Star City Open Series in D.C. this weekend, and, you know, so will Ruben, so definitely, uh, yep. come up and chat with us, as long as we're not actually live. Working, right. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, my current episode of
1: Newsing is up, um, yeah. and Newsening goes up every two weeks, so I guess I should stop reminding you people th- about that. But, uh, yeah. And, uh, feel free to come up and say hi. If you're doing well in the tournament, let me know. If you want, if you want to, you want to uh, have a feature match, or if you see an interesting deck around the room or something like that, I'm always on the lookout, and uh, I would be happy to uh, to consider you for the camera. So,
0: yeah, because people people don't seem to, uh, or some people don't seem to grasp the concept that we want to show you guys interesting decks. Yeah, uh, they, it's it's like people groan because oh it's a Delver mirror. Well, that's because it's round nine of ten, and these guys are playing for top eight, and they happen to be playing Delver right. because it's a good deck. But yeah. you know, it, it's a lot of times uh, you know we want to show you guys the the awesome, cool decks. But if they if somebody shows up with a ridiculous deck in round one and then loses in round two and then loses in round three, we're not going to feature them because they obviously the deck doesn't really work. Uh, or at least doesn't seem to be working. But yeah, I th- I, if you see a cool deck, definitely mention it to Glenn or Ruben or you know somebody, yep. uh, so we can possibly get it on camera. So nice. Yeah. So uh, is that everything for this week, guys?
2: That's all I. That's, that's all I got.
0: Yep. That's all I, got. I can think of. Be sure to uh,
1: to join us this weekend in DC. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's all I
0: got. Awesome. Well, then, until next week, we are in contention.